0: Talking all things pinball and arcade across New Zealand and beyond. You are listening to Simon's Pinball Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of my Pinball Podcast. Today we are featuring a chap called John Mason, who lives in Melbourne, Australia, but actually he grew up in Auckland and he played pinball around Auckland in his early years before he settled in Melbourne, Australia. Um, He contacted me in August of 2020. He discovered my website and he listened to some of the interviews that were up at that time and he sent me a message and I'm glad he did. We've been emailing back and forth since then for the past three years, but he held a collector's meet in um, at Easter time and I met some of his uh, friends that are collectors. So the next four episodes, including this one, are going to feature Melbourne personalities and I hope you do enjoy the chats that I have with them. I really enjoyed staying with John in my um on my visit there recently. He's a very heartfelt and sincere chap who has really quite a, an amazing history with pinball and in some ways his story mirrored mine a little bit because we both started operating in about the same time and Uh, although for John it was his mainstay so um, he's got a very deep knowledge of pinball his um, expertise are amazing with repair work he taught me some operator tricks actually that uh, we didn't talk about in his interview Uh, one of which was to uh, well firstly to double wire the uh, flipper coil lugs um, which was very clever because if one wire breaks then it would still be held on by the other one and it wouldn't require a call out also he wrapped an old a used flipper rubber around lengthwise around the brackets of the flipper coil which did a lot to reduce vibration which uh subsequently would break off the wire lugs so yeah little tricks like that which um uh, he was a busy man he had a lot of locations and uh he was very busy in Melbourne Melbourne of course has the whole population of New Zealand pretty much in one city so and they have a very deep um history with pinball and the lineage of pinball operating goes back um quite a long way in melbourne anyway i'm rambling let's get onto the chat john mason everybody um please enjoy sit back and um enjoy the ride <laughs> So I'm here in Melbourne, I've come over for a vintage pinball meet and I've met a friend of mine, a collector friend of mine called John Mason and uh, we are currently sitting in the upstairs room of his office, do you call this the factory John? Call this the factory yeah, it's uh, it's where I make my living
1: during the week but yeah.
0: It's lovely to be here. We're surrounded by some beautiful um, old. The emphasis being on the old electromechanicals and some solid states, Um, but we'll get onto the pinball very shortly. But thanks for agreeing to talk to me, and I'm I've been looking forward to this interview for a couple of years. I think we first made contact maybe a year and a half ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was. um... Um, I'm from New Zealand, and I thought oh, I wonder who's doing pinballs in New Zealand, and stumbled across this guy called Simon and uh, your website, and uh, yeah, emailed you from there. That's cool,
0: and we've been chatting a little bit over email. I know you held a vintage um, a vintage meetup a year ago. Yes, but yes. and uh, there was thought that I might be able to make it to that one, but I wasn't able to get across the ditch. Um, but I did it this year.
1: That's good. 2023. 20, 20, we had COVID and all sorts of things last year, but um, things are so much better now.
0: So. Yeah, so I'm really excited to hear your story, and maybe you'd like to start from the beginning. Uh, you said you're from Auckland. Yeah, I'm from Auckland. Um, grew up in Blockhouse Bay, uh, a westie,
1: and um, lived in Blockhouse Bay till I was about 19. What year were you born there? I was born in 1969. So
0: I'm a, I'm a 60s child too. You're a 60s
1: child. I just scraped in, well January 69 I scraped in pretty well, you know, and uh yeah. So, grew up in Blockhouse Bay. It was it was it was, it was quite good, you know, in the 70s and things like
0: that. And you as a child, you were well as a a young, youngster, you were fascinated by pinball?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, um I was working it out today actually the first pinball I played and I really saw, I remember quite vividly, and it was my sister worked at Berger Paints in Newmarket in Auckland. And my sister's 12 years older than me, so I was just a young tacker. Um, I was about nine years old at the time. And we went down for lunch at a cafe, and we played this penny. And for the life of me... I can't remember what the name was. I, I wish I remembered the first pinball I played. That'd be cool, but you don't think about things like that, do you? Of course not. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember it had five bumpers, so it was probably a Williams, and I remember just the uh, just, just the joy of trying to hit the ball up into the bumpers, not lose it, and I remember them lighting for 100 points when lit or something. Um, and I didn't care about the rest of the machine. Nothing else mattered, but these bumpers were just magical, the way they popped the ball around. Um, that really got me thinking about these things. Was your Penmore. was your sister playing with you? I can't actually remember. I d I, I don't she wasn't important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just I, I just remember the game and the bumpers and these round things that just they just pop the ball in different directions. It just yeah. as a kid I loved it.
0: Yeah. Probably like nothing else you'd really seen before. No,
1: no, I hadn't been exposed to anything like that before and I hadn't searched anything like that out as a young tacker. And yeah. um was just a good discovery
0: you know so. and then did you from there what happened after that
1: well what happened after that was I, was I was talking about pinball or something like that and my sister Yvonne said well you know they've got them in Dundale Avenue so Dundale Avenue is you know in New Zealand you have your, your milk bar your dairy and maybe your dairy services every four or five blocks so this was the dairy that serviced the next block it wasn't the local so when mum goes, oh, can you pick me up a pound of butter or a pint of milk? It wasn't that dairy. But what I ended up doing was going beyond that dairy to the secondary.
0: Um, secondary dairy, yeah. <laughs> and, and what did you find? I
1: found a pro football, uh, 10 cents a game.
0: Well, you do remember the title now.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do now. Yeah, <laughs> starts getting serious now. <laughs> yeah, pro footy, I loved it. It was, it was 10 cents a game, and you would quite often be riding your bike... And pro footy has a distinctive sound, particularly when. You, I don't know if anyone knows the machine. It's nineteen seventy three. It's pretty old. Gottlieb, isn't it? Gottlieb. Yeah. At the time, I thought it was so old. I thought it was something that my dad would have played in the fifties. You know, I didn't know, but um, yeah, jing chika jing jing, just a lovely sound. Put your ten cents on the glass. Wait your turn. Have a game. So pro footy was me.
0: I think I played it. It's in the other room, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've got it here. You've yeah, got yeah. it here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's uh, you know, if if, if I could only keep two or three games. I would sell a Twilight Zone or a Adams Family before I sold Pro Footy. It's, yeah. it's just a special game. The
0: one turned up in Wellington at a um, second-hand shop. It wasn't working, and I believe my friend Danny worked on it to get it working, but that sold. I don't know where it went. But I, you know, when you look at a game that's out of order mm. and you just look at the, the, the choreography of the play field, yeah. and if it's not running, you don't really have any idea of how engaging it might be. Yeah. And it, it, the pro football looked a little bit sparse. Yeah. You know, with the kind of the big block of colour in the middle. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it's I've, I've, I played it the other day when I was up here, and it is amazing. It's great.
1: It's I mean, it's a one-spinner. It's a one-shot game. But
0: when it you... Shot, it shoots the ball up the middle between the shoots the ball flippers. up the middle,
1: yep. So, you know, you'd, I'd go around the neighbourhood getting the Coke bottles, get my refund, go down to Dundale Ave, play my pro footy. My old man was a bit miserable. He'd give me 10 cents a week pocket money, so... You know, there, there's there's no hope of playing pinball with that, so used to get the Coke bottles. And what other games do you remember? Um, then, beside pro football at Dundale there they had Cardwiz, which was a great game, I loved it, but that was 20 cents a game, and the two were side by side, so it was always a toss-up of do I play two games of pro footy or one game of Cardwiz? Then they got in Chicago Coin Soundstage, um, and that was a very easy game to play and get a replay on once you got it wide, and so I, I used to play soundstage quite a lot, um, and also Space Mission, which was uh, Williams. Oh yeah, 75, uh, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that that was there as well. So Pro Footy had gone, and then the other games sort of phased in. So.
0: And were yeah. you were you riding your bike down to this place? Yeah, I
1: had a dragster, had a yellow dragster, and it had a chopper guard flag, and I had sort of yellow tiger handlebars, and it was a cool thing, and uh, yeah, I used to ride my bike down there, yeah. Mum would go, Mum would go, can you pick me up this from the dairy? Yep, yep, cool, chance to, excuse to get out of the house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um, what else, what other, what other games that kind of um, you you can remember from I your... Remember
1: from... around Auckland at, at yeah, the time? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a bit of a train spotter, so I actually had a, a diary and I would document that I played pro football and I would do a rough sketch of the play field. So I've, all these years later, I've still got a really, really good memory memory um, of what machines i played and and where they were. So um, there was also a Casco rifle range um, down at the dairy there. Um, I played Olympic hockey in Toledo. They were Williams games. They were out the back of um, Blockhouse Bay Intermediate. There was a little um, arcade there. Uh, They moved and then Williams Disco Fever went in there.
0: With the banana flippers? I loved it. I
1: loved it because it taught me to pass the ball from one flipper to the other. Yeah. If you hold the flipper up and it rolls down the in lane, you actually get a nice little curve and it roll up onto the flipper. To really taught me to pass the ball between flippers for shots. Pretty shit to shoot out with a crooked flipper, but, you know, it was I good. think,
0: um, was it Time Warp as well? Time had Warp had, had the a, banana flippers? It did too, yeah, yeah. But do you think operators would switch them out for conventional flippers? Yeah, they
1: did. They did.
0: Um, I saw that a
1: bit here in Melbourne, but um, this one still had the banana flippers. It was quite yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, Blockhouse Base Soccer Club, that had a Belly Champ, which is about a 74 machine. Then they swapped that out for a Captain Fantastic, Later on, they swapped that out for Meteor. Um, then we had the ice skating rink there in Avondale that had Rocky. Uh, we had the Hollywood Picture Theatre in Avondale. Avondale, yeah, yeah, I've been
0: there for movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, That had uh, Sinbad, which I really, really used to enjoy, Gottlieb Sinbad. Um, what are the games around town? We had Space Mission again, sort of opposite the Avondale Fire Station, a little bit further up. These are within bike riding range. Yeah, uh, Williams Flash was um, blew my mind in that game. That would have been a state of the art machine at that time. Yeah, that was um, opposite Linfield College, shops up there.
0: Um,
1: yes. Yeah, and so and were, um, were
0: your parents okay with you going out playing pinball? No, my old man. Um, he 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 said to
1: me, "You're wasting your money, boy. What you doing? You know, don't play those games." they've got a hand and they just come out and take your money. They won't give you anything back, you know. <laughs> he hated it, so I, I kind of had to keep it a little bit secret or not. Not all the time, but if, if I went out and played Penny and come back and he wasn't bothered where I was, I wouldn't particularly say
0: where I'd been, you know. So, Were you going out with your mates or just on your own? Or? Uh, just on my
1: own. I, I had a good friend I uh, used to come over in school holidays. He was from Pukekohe and um, we used to go down Dundale Ave and, and play a bit there
0: yeah but sort of by myself so games that you've got now and we will jump forward um, uh, soon we'll talk about your current collection but games that you've picked up over the years they, they do they um, bring back memories of your youth playing certain titles
1: I've got a lot of the machines that I really enjoyed playing as a kid I own now were different so i've I've got the pro football I've got the royal flush which is a four player card was I've got the sound stage of Um, Where I remember playing games around Auckland, Um, I've I've got them all now, and those are sort of really special games to me who never would have thought as a kid that I could have, you know, owned owned the machines. You told me about Matahari. What's that story? Oh, there's a... Yeah, there's, there's a few stories. My old man used to have a Rambler Rebel car, an old yank tank, and with my diary and trying to find out where all the pinball machines were around town. It was always exciting to drive past a new shopping centre. And as a kid, I don't know, you know how dogs like to breathe out the window? It's (laughs) kind of, you're kind of like that. When you see a fish and chip shop or something coming up, you a neck it to see if there was a machine in there. And um, I'd driven past Richardson Road on multiple occasions Richardson Road in Auckland, I think it's getting towards the Mount Roskill area, I can't really remember. There was a pub opposite and there was a fish and chip shop there that had this electronic pinball and I could see by the displays and I could see it was orangey looking and that that was it. And me old man was um, part of the New Zealand Motor Caravan Association, very early member and president for quite a few years and they had a wine and cheese evening at the local school hall um, so as was the case the parents would be drinking and stuff like that and and that and I said to my mum, "I can I've just some money I just want to go at the local milk bar and buy a can of coke and she was happy to get rid of me so she gave me my forty cents or whatever, but I didn't go to the local milk bar I went beyond that and walked in and discovered that the game was matahari and uh Really liked it. It was a it was it was a striking game, and I've never seen artwork like that before. I've been used to, well, I, I lie. I had seen Captain Fantastic, but just the artwork compared to Olympic hockey or Toledo, they're very vanilla. It's got
0: girls. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it was and it was great. And I played it, and it had it had the best of both worlds. It had the 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 chimes, um, had the digital displays, had all the drop targets. Loved the game. I'm playing away, playing away, doing well. Played my games. Last game, crack, I matched, I, I got a free game, I thought, you beauty, and this uh, drunk guy who would come across the road to order fish and chips from the pub, says, get out of here, <laughs> kick me off the machine, kick me out the shop, which was just as well, because I probably just got just got back to the wine and
0: cheese evening and didn't get missed too much. So, yeah. And, and that, that, uh, that was a good thing, and, and ultimately... Um, you didn't have a drink to go back with, uh, did you? No, I didn't have a
1: drink. No, no, I wasn't even asked about that. They were probably just <laughs> glad to get rid of me for half an hour. Yeah.
0: yeah. And do you have any other recollections of games? Um, I remember you said something about a Black Knight. Yeah, yeah, Black Knight. Or gorgar, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, even um, Disco Fever, I uh, remember, because it was at, out the back of uh, the intermediate school, Blockhouse Bay Intermediate, and I went there and the game had gone. And I was pretty upset because I used to really enjoy the machine. But it turned up at the Blockhouse Space Shops. Um, up by the roundabout up there, there was a fish and chip shop and an ASB bank. And so what I used to do at Intermediate was the Coke bottle phase had gone, but I used to go down the Green Bay golf course. And you would get, walk through the bush and you'd pick up the golf balls that had been lost. And then you'd take them up the Blockhouse Space Sports Shop where the owner would give you $0.10 for a practice ball, $0.20 for a reasonable one, um, and $0.50 if you had a mint sort of uh, golden bear or something, these golf balls were worth yeah, You always wanted to find one of those. So I found out that Medisco Fever had gone up Blockhouse Bass Shops. I sneaked down the golf course. I have a rotten day. I picked up two balls. Normally you'd get maybe half a dozen or a dozen. I took them up the sports shop. he gave me $0.30. Okay, so I go in there and I go to play my game, I thought I'll get a potato cake, Um, potato fritters actually, right? kiwi aren't they, and uh, they're 10 cents, and the guy in the shop counter goes, well I can't do a potato cake mate, give us your 30 cents and I'll give you 3, and I says well I've come here to play the penny, um, so I'll, I'll just leave it but thank you. And I played the game, enjoyed it. And then he says, oh, mate, I can do your potato cake now. Because a customer had come in and he was turning on. He says, I'm turning on the oil. It wasn't worth me cooking it for one. So I gave him a 10 cents. I played him a game and had fun and everything and then finished. And he gave me the potato cake. And I went outside, jumped on my bike and started riding home, put my hand in the bag and they
0: put two in there for me. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's what it ha- still happens even today. You Does it? go and order one potato fritter, they usually give you two or three. Oh, okay. I think they figure, oh, it's just a potato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and tell me about um, Gorga. Have you had an experience with Gorga. Oh, Gorga,
1: yeah. So uh, when I was a kid, um, I used to have to go to uh, there's a church across to Mount Roskill, and had a bit of a religious upbringing there. And they had their own division of, well, you could call it scouts. It was like trackers. You used to have to wear a scarf. And I think it was on a Thursday night we used to go to this church boys club thing. And I'd rubber neck the machine that I knew was by the church and I didn't know what it was. And I told my friend Douglas about it. And uh, we decided that we save up some pocket money. And would go to trackers, would be seen. There was no roll call, but would physically be seen, and then would duck out and we would see what penny this was. And we did that, and we got to the machine and it was Gorga. And that was just fantastic because I mean we were badass, man. We were we were wagging church. We go to this fish and chip shop, and there's the devil on the machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ironic. And then put the money in and it was you know, Gorgas speaks and it was like it, it, was, it was something good. else yeah it was good and we got back and we didn't get caught and that that made it pretty cool yeah. <laughs> that's
0: awesome so we're looking at 79 now aren't we 7980 and for me the big game the turning point for my pinball history was the game black Knight mm-hmm. and you've got a similar story about finding a black knight
1: y- yeah I've, I've got black Knight as a game in my collection and it's because I played it as a kid and remember it um so it's form two so it's 1982 and we're talking at school and the uh fellow called anthony can't remember his surname um one of the kids said that he'd been to the movies with his dad and they went to fun city in auckland and there was this machine and it had a upstairs and downstairs and it had a horse on it and it sounded really fantastic so I organised that we would go, Anthony and I would go into the city, say that we're going to the movies, not go to the movies, but actually go to Fun City and play this machine. So I was allowed to go because I was going with someone else. So my mum let me catch a bus into Auckland by myself as a 12-year-old. But Anthony's mum at the last minute said, you're not doing that. So I didn't mention that to anybody, I just, I went by myself and uh, went into Fun City there and my heart sunk because there's a big piece of paper on the game, on the back glass. I'm thinking, oh shit, out of order, what's, you know, all this effort, crap. And uh, it didn't, the sign said... Black Knight is the number one pinball in the world.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> so Roger Newman to do that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
1: Was, oh, you beauty! But um, then I was disappointed because it was the first time I come across a machine that was forty cents. So my money was only going to go half as far. But uh, it, was, it was very exciting to play it. And yeah, you I enjoyed it? Re-
0: Return to play it more, more no, often? No, I didn't. No, no,
1: I didn't. In fact, it disappeared from there quite quickly. Okay. Um, Yeah, there was another arcade up the road that had Time Fantasy and Hyperball. Um, Yeah, it wasn't in there a long time, that Black Knight in in Fun City. And also across at the Civic Picture Theatre, they had uh, three machines in there underneath. Um, They had Nitro Ground Shaker, they had Kiss, and they had Ali. Um, I went in there a few times and played those. And one time was the only one in the arcade... I must have got there at opening or whatever, and I was playing Kiss, and the volume was turned up really, really loud, and the guy running the arcade really yelled at me, really growled at me, Ugh, can you shut that machine up? Ugh, it's too noisy. <laughs> Maybe he's hungover, I don't know. He's having a bad day, and it's like, well why have the machine so loud and let people play it if it annoys you so much? But, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you listen to KISS, blurt, 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 the way the the sound, if you have to hear it all day, it probably...
0: I think a lot of people expect it to have KISS music on it now because right. they think, oh, it's going to have KISS music, but, of course, it's just chimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they're annoying chimes at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, at some point, you left, you left New Zealand... Yeah, I, d- Should I you do. you want to jump ahead to that, or have you got um, more I to talk about? I've got a penny in New Zealand.
1: Um, so I ended up, uh, my mum worked at St Luke's in a cafe, and I got a job after school. I used to catch the bus from Linfield College to St Luke's, and I would mop the floors and do the dishes and do the tidy up for the cafe at the end of the day. And I ended up saving for my first pinball machine. Mm. Um. And the time come around where I had the money, I had I had 300 dollars saved, and I don't know how I knew they were roughly about that. I got out the Auckland phone book, and I rung someone, uh, one of the bigger um, operators, and they had nothing, but they said, there's a guy um, in Green Bay, his name is Rod White, and he might have some machines. And I... I so vividly remember the excitement of the, the conversation of, of ringing Rod. And I found out that he was the operator of the machines at Dundale Ave. So he's going, oh, I've got a space mission. And I'm going, yeah, it's a it's a good game, but you can't trap the ball and then flip it and, and, and shoot it, you know. And he's like, oh, you really know your machines? And I says, pro football. <laughs> you had a pro football there. What's happened to that? And that pro footy ended up going to friends of his and they had it under under a veranda and it got water damaged and ruined. And he says that the, the machine's gone, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's been wrecked. And that sort of shocked me that um, I, was, I was disappointed I couldn't get pro footy. But he ended up selling me a Williams 1976 blue chip. Right. So this is 1983, so that was only a five-year-old machine because the last of the electromechanicals. Mm. Um, and it was a good game. It was a fun game. I, I had it in my dad's garage in Blockhouse Bay and used to, used to play it a lot, played a lot, yeah.
0: Wow. And that was your first penny? That
1: was my first penny. Oh, yeah. I, I did do a horrible thing to it, though, which I'd never do again, and that is um, probably a bit ahead of my time with the power ball. but the steel ball got too slow, so I'd use a, use a big bonzo. We used to call a marble. Right. And the marble used to fly around the playfield like you wouldn't believe um, and then get chipped on the bumpers and rattled as it played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I did to that play field.
0: <laughs> and did you sell
1: that machine? I, I did. I was, um, later on, moving on a few years, I've uh, decided to travel. I did my apprenticeship, left school when I was 15, did my apprenticeship for my old man, qualified carpenter, 19 and a half years old, still pretty young, and got a job in Connecticut in New York, um, they paid half your airfare, and I shot over there to a camp America program to be do teach woodwork. Um, so I had to sell the machine to help fund my trip overseas um, and I put it in the uh, trade and exchange and I sold it for three hundred dollars what I bought it for, and I remember the guys coming down and loading it on the trailer and yeah, away it went yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And how was how was Connecticut for you? Oh, that was that was cool. Yep. Um,
1: yeah, didn't really know what was happening. I went over on a one way ticket. I was I was nineteen, pretty young, but uh, wanted to travel and and see the world. I was, bought it. Um, thought I'd go on to the UK after that and try my luck. And um, yeah, we did this did this summer camp thing. I went back to. Blockhouse Bay Intermediate and saw my old woodwork teacher and told him what I was doing and said have you got some of the plans or some of the paperwork for some of the projects and he was really really rapt and he gave me this paperwork and I took them over and I also remember some of the little um pinball machines I used to make as a kid with rubber bands and nails strapped over them but I actually had working flippers that you could flick with your fingers and um I made those with the kids over there and they I really, really enjoyed it. How
0: did you make it? How did you manage to make the flippers that? that I actually, that
1: I used a, I, I drilled a shaft through the playfield, and then a oh, kind of a, a, a second flipper under the playfield, which a bit of dowel would push, going through some curtain hooks, right? Um, rubber band powered for a return. Yeah, and they
0: were quite, quite, they, they quite were,
1: punchy. Uh, no, 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 but, but, but
0: they were flippers they were yeah you know propelled the ball up they propelled the ball up yeah (laughs) the the kids loved them so that's awesome and then did you go to the uk after that yeah went to the uk
1: and um yeah enjoyed it over there um talking 19 yeah 1989 1989 so um went down soho a lot and Mm. um Phantom of the Opera, The Simpsons. There's a lot of Data East Machines in the UK there, and the Dot Matrix hadn't come out yet. Mm. Uh, The Time Machine, Mm. uh, Back to the Future, Uh, Bally, Dr. Dude, I loved that game. I really, really started getting into these pinballs over there, enjoyed playing
0: them. So there was a bit of an arcade scene in in the UK? Yeah,
1: there was. It was was starting up. There was lots of uh, slot machines and pokies and stuff but they, they definitely, in, in the Soho and
0: that, they, they still had some, some good pinball arcades. And then areas. you decided to settle in Melbourne. How did that come about?
1: Um, well, actually, I spent nearly three years travelling, so my three-month stint that was just supposed to be Camp America got somewhat extended. Um, Travelled to nearly 30-odd countries, so had wow. a pretty good stint of it. Mm. Uh, did a tour through... Um, it wasn't a Kentucky tour, but it was just as tacky. It was called Auto Tours, but uh, it was a way of getting through Russia and Poland and Czechoslovakia, and I wanted to see some of the, the Eastern Bloc. And uh, it, well, when you look at life and just such a little moment which changes everything, I, I was, I'm at the travel agents, and there's two dates that the tour's going. Yeah, okay, I'll take this one. And I went on that tour, and that's where I met Michelle from Melbourne. And, um, yeah, married 29 years. That's <laughs> awesome. That's
0: yeah. great. And that's, that's basically the reason you came to Melbourne and not back to Auckland, yeah?
1: No, no, no actually. We tried New Zealand first. Okay. Um, so we're back now, 1991, into 91, and there's a recession, and there's just no no work at all, and really wanted to try to make a go of it in New Zealand, to try to go back home to live. Um, we just couldn't find work or anything. So we thought, well, we come over to Melbourne and, and try our luck. And uh, landed in Melbourne. We had 400 bucks between us, so things were getting pretty low. Um, but in saying that, it wasn't desperate, because we had all the family to stay with and things like that. It wasn't like we'd come to Australia, and you know, I didn't know where swanston street was or anything i didn't know a thing about the place but so i had had a lot to learn but yeah and you were doing carpentry work um well michelle got the job initially first which got us through um she applied at a french cake shop and uh her surname is Trippier, which is french and um they thought she might have had a french connection there and um so she got that job which was great um i couldn't get work as a carpenter and i was pretty down in the dumps because I was not going to go on the dole, I I don't even know that I could even in fact, Um, I wanted to try to get my own way through this. Um, So I ended up um, making, first I made wooden toys and tried selling them at this local market. There's a, uh, a big market here that used to be in Melbourne called Caribbean Gardens. Uh, and it used to get 20,000 people through on a Sunday, so a big number, and my tin toys failed, my tin toys, my wooden toys failed miserably, but I diversified into toilet roll holders <laughs> and wine racks and these little scrunchie holders that girls could put their hairbands on, so I spent sort of all week making these things, and then I'd go to the weekend markets and I'd, I'd sell them, and it was making a small
0: wage and yeah, we're, we're getting by. <laughs> and um, at some point, you started to get interest in pinball again. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I um, was then deciding we've settled and decided that I'd like to buy a machine. Once a little bit more money come in, I, Michelle, look, I've had a pinball in New Zealand. I'd love to buy another one. And I uh, bought a um, Gottlieb Surfer, and I bought it for three hundred and twenty-five bucks. So. I'll, Let's just say my blue chip money in New Zealand got so I could become a surfer.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that was cool. I loved it. And it broke down and I called the service guy and he never turned up. And I got round the back and I worked it out and got it going and thought, mm, okay. Right. Um So I ended up putting a wanted sign on my stall while I was at the markets, to capitalise on the so many people coming through. And I was getting people... Oh, I've got a pinball. And I, I bought a couple of machines for $100, uh, electro-mechanicals. And I played around on them and got them working. And then I put them in the uh, trading post, which is like the trading exchange, and I sold them for 300 bucks. I thought, oh, OK, I can actually have a bit of fun, enjoy some pinball, and actually make some money, which is far much more fun than making toilet rolls.
0: <laughs> I suppose if you look at Melbourne, the history of Melbourne, well, for a start, there's like 5 million people here, well, there's a lot more people here than in Auckland, mm-hmm. plus the Italian community, the Greek community, the, operating, the operators of yesteryear, maybe through the 60s and 70s, there'll be games to be found in, yeah. ver- in various garages and warehouses. And did you find that there was a more plentiful supply of machines over here? Um, I can't compare it to New Zealand, but there was a lot of machines here. I've often
1: thought if you could... Uh, we've got a map called the Malways, and I reckon if you got a star on every street or every house that had a pinball machine, it would be like the stars in the sky. <laughs> There's mm. the, the, a lot of machines around town. Um, I, would, I would always get... At least one lead that led to a pinball machine every Sunday from that market wow, um, and i would um i I had an old combi van at the time, and I'd quite often um, after the market go to a house, make an offer buy the machine and bring it back um, sometimes even have to go to get a second one during the week yeah so. wow.
0: And did you stick with the wooden toys? (laughs) You know I didn't stick with the wooden toys. (laughs) I'm taking you there, John. I'm
1: taking you there. I wouldn't have told this story 20 years ago, but hey, um, no, I didn't stick with the wooden toys. (laughs) I'm I'm at the market, and I'm I'm getting sawdust up my nose. I'm making this stuff, and I'm selling it. And a couple of stalls down, this guy turns up. And he's in a clown suit. And I'm thinking, you dickhead. You know, what the hell's going to happen here? And he pulls out the suitcase and he blows up some balloons. And he makes these sculptures and he puts them on sticks. And then the kids start queuing. And a dollar 50, fifty a pop, he's just making money. And I'm sitting there hoping to sell a toilet roll holder. It's taken me all week to friggin' build. With my Pinball wanted sign out. Okay. All right, I'm gonna become a clown. <laughs> so I did. I um I went to the local library and there was a book there on how to twist balloons. Didn't tell Michelle about this at all, because if this failed, it was gonna fail but no one was gonna know that it failed yeah. but me, you know. And um I learned to twist these balloons, cool. Hired a clown suit. And that morning, I got up as if I was going to the markets because it was an early five o'clock start and Michelle's still in bed and um, our car is parked outside the the bedroom. And I sneak into the workshop and I put on this clown face and do everything. (laughs) And as a point of difference, I had a bicycle horn in my pants and I thought it'd be funny when I pushed my red nose to go, I thought the kids would like that, you know. And I snuck into the car and I opened the door, and being so quiet, you know, as I sat down, I sat on the friggin' bicycle horn, <laughs> and it hooted, and <laughs> nearly shot my head through the hood lining and frightened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you went to a different market.
1: I went to a different Is market right? because, it, yeah, I, I didn't want to. S- I, I couldn't step on this clown's toes. He was a professional. I was a novice. I didn't know that this was even going to work. So I booked in a different market for that Sunday. It was Croydon Market. Um,
0: didn't get half as many people through. Wasn't as busy. Probably quite a good thing because let let you kind of earn your stripes as a clown. Yeah, no pun intended.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I was slow with the balloons compared to how fast I got. But um, yeah, maybe two hundred and thirty dollars or something for the day. Um, But I made that on the day there and then. I didn't have to work before it. And I thought, well, okay, if I can do this clowny thing, I can spend all week playing with my pennies. So, oh shes! I've got to. How do we broach the subject with Michelle? So I stuff it. I drove home in the clown suit. <laughs> Half an hour drive in this car with people looking at me strange. Rung the doorbell so I didn't use the key, and she opens the door and I go, uh, "Yeah, I, I think we've got something to talk about." <laughs> and that was that. Yeah. That's
0: brilliant. That's brilliant. Hey, a means to an end.
1: That's it. That's it. And um, anyway, while I was clowning, I got even more attention to my stall. Um, I went around a lot of different markets. And that brought out pinball machines from a lot of different suburbs and areas. And I was able to uh, have my time now during the week to do a bit of buying and selling. Still just sticking with electromechanicals. I was scared of the electronic ones. I didn't know a thing about them. Um, And uh, yeah, it it was happy days. It was fun times.
0: And tell me about um, when you made the move. And well, you did repair work, didn't, didn't you, for other people, or did yeah. you did you do operating? What came first?
1: Um, so, what came first was a fellow uh, called Rodney Campbell. He had a company called Flash Amusements. Saw a machine that I advertised in the Trading Post, and he came around to buy it because he was going to buy it for three hundred dollars and sell it for four or five, whatever. He was a dealer. And he says, oh, I've got quite a few... He was buying quite a few machines off-operators at the time. And he says, you can fix a few electromechanical machines for me. So I'm like, oh, okay." So I started off going into work for this guy, for this amusement company. Um, That was pretty short-lived, six months or so, maybe only four. Um, But it gave me a taste of... I was then, uh, can you get the ute and drop this machine to this in this shop and pick this up and do that? And then the trust came where it let me empty some of the machines. And it gave me a taste of the amusement industry within Melbourne. It gave me a taste of buying, selling machines. And every mechanical I was doing, I was starting to just get a little bit better at, at, at fixing them. Mm. Uh, and I was able to drop my clowning, which was good, because I really didn't enjoy being a clown.
0: Blowing balloons for kids. <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, I, it wasn't
0: bad, mm. but. You graduated.
1: Just, I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> I got out of clown school, kind of, just took off the face.
0: And, and <laughs> flash amusement, so six months there, and then did you think you'd, you'd start out operating after that?
1: Yeah, they got into a little bit of trouble for various reasons. Um, they finished up, that left me on my own again. Uh, I went to Box Hill TAFE and I did electronic courses, and I started taking on some of the solid state machines, which were quite plentiful. Um, that, they, you know, you could buy the old Marthaharis and the uh, Supersonics or whatever. They, they were they were around, and I was starting to buy those. I'd, I bought some earlier, and I'd got a, a pinball friend, who's become a, a good friend now, Fred Richter. Um, he was an operator. And he used to come in and fix him, and I used to watch him like a hawk. Oh, gee, that MP is flashing twice. He's changed this five zero one zero chip. Mm, okay. Next time that happened, I knew what to do. Mm. Oh, okay, that's a socket. That's acid damage. So sort of worked it all out. And, yeah. But but there was no um, like the internet now is just fantastic. There was nothing. You just the only way to learn was to get in a machine and try your luck. Ask people and and watch what other people did. Mm. Uh, in fact, mm. um, there was a company here, Bumper Action Amusements, and they used to have a quite a funny sign on their on their desk. Uh, it was something along the lines of pinball repairs: uh, thirty dollars an hour, forty dollars an hour if you watch, and sixty dollars an hour if you try to help. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was a mid range guy. I was, I, I was, I'd be watching. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It's funny. I remember Bumper Action and they were quite uh, well known in the Melbourne um, pinball scene, weren't they? They Mm. had the pinball faith on a Friday night, which I used to see ads for um, back in Wellington and used to dream of coming to pinball faith. Um, well was that that was in the nineties that was in the yeah
1: nineties I think yeah, definitely nineties and maybe early 2000s um, I went to a couple of pinball
0: faiths um yeah, we think we were at the same one
1: yeah, so there was the Bunny girls there, um and Austin Powers had just come out, so i don't know what year that was with them was it two thousand one or something right what was, does that
0: relate to yeah, when you it could were have here? been could have been I mean, I made a few trips across to Melbourne, um but I, I forget what years, but I did go to a pinball Faith. And Fun, they'd, they'd, our powers probably crossed them and we, we didn't we, know. We may, maybe they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a very well organised showroom, and Dell used to put on the um, entertainment for the punters. Um, so you, so you must be accumulating quite a few machines.
1: Yeah, it, it, it adds up. I've got so I'm not only into pinball. I love um, coin operated machines uh, like your um, your flip balls, yeah, your, your, your war machines. I love some of the Penny Arcade stuff and memorabilia as well. So, uh, pennies there's about 70, um, and there's around 40 other, a couple of like corner-operated horse rides, a couple of jukeboxes and- um, You're managing to store them at home or? Um, Yeah, I managed to, um, the, yeah, it's it's a long story, trying to work out where where it all begins. So, yeah, I'm buying and selling machines. Then I worked out that I could put some machines on site, because mm. I'd had a little taste of it from this amusement company. Yeah, but there's no way I could afford the new fishtails and white waters and getaways at seven and a half grand a pop. So I found a little niche market for the electromechanicals. Um, I had I, I got I got in some pubs where the retro games. Still, really fitted well and started operating. And those games actually did pretty good. I, I know operators were getting four or five hundred bucks a week for their seven thousand dollar games, but I was getting forty fifty dollars a week for a one hundred dollar game. So, proportionally, mm. I was getting a start and we were doing okay. Um, then we moved on and started operating some of the solid states, early ones, uh, Gorga. Um, uh, that's where, like, I, I had the Greyhounds Hotel in St Kilda. It was a bit of a, a, a interesting bar, drag, mm. drag queen type bar. Mm. And there was a um, narrow side doorway where my uh, centaur and matahari were. And because I didn't want them stolen, anyone could have just run through and nicked this game out of the door. I made this bar which went in between the two legs of the machine and then the leg levelers went through the holes. So effectively, the, the two machines were bolted together and couldn't be stolen. But I, 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 I just had to do stuff in a different way to,
0: yeah. to get there. Yeah, Yeah, it's quite ingenious. Yeah. I never thought of that, but I probably didn't have more than one game. And I had a game in a, in a, in a pretty sketchy punk rock bar called Valhalla. Oh, yeah. And I used to get, um, I didn't want to hear what people were telling me was happening to my game on a punk night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some guy was kicking the shit out of it. Yeah. yeah. So you must have had some, you told me that you had a, up to 100 locations at one no, point. No, 50. 50 locations. 50 locations, okay. yeah.
1: Yeah, I had uh, around 120 machines. Right. Um, not all of them were on location. Some of them were in states of disrepair. Some of them were being a bit of buying and selling. Right. Um Things like that. Still yeah. quite a big round. It was. It was a pretty big round. Yeah. Mm. So I, was, I started off um, then getting enough money to um, start getting some dot matrix machines. Right. And the dot matrix pennies really started devaluing. Maybe 1995, 90, uh, You know, once fishtails yeah. was sort of four four odd years old. Yeah. As a seven thousand dollar game, it had come down to about two thousand fifteen hundred, and and it was affordable to. Um, what's, Pretty happy to um, felt like I was in the big league, you know, yeah. I was
0: operating the good stuff, yeah. Wow, but yeah. the turnover you were buying and selling quite a lot in, in those days,
1: yes, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, and started building up quite a big customer base. Um, so I had a little card system of everyone I'd serviced a machine for or sold a machine for. Um, it, it ended up around 500 odd customers, wow, um, people. Or, m- me pinball shop sticker got on 500 Melbourne machines. So Wow. So, wow.
0: Incredible.
1: They're, they're still turning up all the time now. Well,
0: I can remember <laughs> I came to Melbourne in about 97. Yeah. And I went down to a record store because I'm a vinyl guy. went to a record store in Fitzroy in Brunswick Street. Yeah. There's yeah. a Star Trek, a ballet Star Trek in the window um, as you walk into the shop and i was wigging out because we didn't ever saw old games on locations yeah. back in wellington um really not really in auckland either if mm. we did it was because cosmetic appeal like in a clothing store as a kind of like a prop or a, sh- a prop piece but not yeah. usually being operated in a, in a in a in a coin drop system and i played this machine and i was so excited I went up to the guy at the counter and I wanted to talk about the Star Trek machine you've got. And he acted like it happens every week. And he said, oh, we got a guy. It's his shtick. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think, I think I, I do remember you would have had a number on it. You'll know the yeah. number, but I didn't think to kind of contact you. Yeah. Um, but uh, you had something happen to that machine, didn't you?
1: Yeah, well, that, that, that machine goes back to the days where I couldn't afford the new machines out there. So that was uh, Polyester Records. I paid 200 bucks for that Star Trek machine. Yeah. Um, done it all up, put it in the shop, and they didn't want any other machine. They wouldn't let me take it out. It was in that shop for 17 years wow. on location. Wow, incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, the worst thing that happened to that game, we've got it here in front of us now. You see this holes around the... Um board with the back glass i used to put perspex in front of the back glasses because yeah. i didn't want them broken
0: yeah
1: and it's probably just as well i did with that game because me batteries went flat the guy got his four hundred thousand whatever for a free game and it didn't pay out so we went up to the counter says hey i got the high, i got the score and it didn't pay and
0: you know the attitude usual, of the guy usual grumpy record store guy yeah, yeah
1: whatever it's not my problem mate <laughs> So the guy walked out the shop, come back in with a beer bottle, and just went smash through the play through the playfield glass. Oh. Have uh, you had a glass smashed? It's horrible. I have. I yeah. used
0: someone used the chair on mine. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know it makes a hell of and a mess. And they break
1: down for a six months afterwards because they get stuck. A little bits. So you think you get every bit of glass out, but it
0: doesn't. It's always yeah. stuck somewhere. Or yeah. well, at least it's safety glass. So, yeah. yeah. Um. And but so the perspex, you reckon, saved the back glass. Well, I don't know. If if
1: if you were that shooting and you were coming in with a beer bottle, you'd do more damage through the back glass. You'd think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, might off. It's yeah.
0: a it's a true survivor.
1: It's a survivor, and yeah
0: and um and then at, at some point, you found that um you were working at a um rest home was um, that did that yeah. come later?
1: yeah, no, that all come about um so I had my business had had the... oh just
0: before we move on to that actually um what was the operating scene in Melbourne like because that is something that people would be interested in. Um, were there quite a lot of operators at the same time? There there was a, a lot of operators. When
1: we first, when I first come in in uh, 91, 92, um, and it was after the recession, and people were looking for ways to make a quick buck, and pinball machines become one of them. So what the uh, distributors would do would not only sell you the machine, you wouldn't only just buy a brand new... I don't know if this happened in New Zealand, but you wouldn't only buy the brand new fishtails... You'd buy the fishtails, the pub, and a contract. Right. contract was worth nothing. Um, And they were selling it as businesses. So people, a lot of new operators come in, which I think the older operators were pretty annoyed with. um, But the newer operators didn't last very long because they didn't have the rotation of machines. They were, you know, machines broke down. They didn't have the expertise to fix them, that sort of thing. Operating was pretty cutthroat. The, the pubs were very, very cutthroat. Um, I didn't get many pubs till later on, till I started getting the, the better machines. Um, so uh, for, it's, for like fishtails, I ended up getting six fishtails on my round. Um, and whenever I got a new location, I would always give them fishtails, no matter what they asked for, no matter what it was. And that was a good indicator that every site started with the same game. And a lot of the sites I had at the time were football and cricket clubs. And there you had a captive audience after the games on the weekend and during the weekend, weekday training. And I found Fish is a very good game to teach people pinball without being overly complicated. Um, and from there, then I would start... Moving in the different games, but I've never given Indiana Jones or what I consider a great game to a site first up i You always built
0: the site up to it well fishtails has a so it's a, it's a um it's, the beauty is in its simplicity mm. and it has broad appeal mm. does not it to men and women yeah, yeah. um so oh, that's interesting um in answer to your question, Wellington was a much smaller market um we all knew each other there was probably only a handful of operators there was there were three of us that were buying the brand new titles towards the mid-90s, but only three, like the Theatre of Magics and the, the, um, the, the, you know, the Flintstones, that kind of period. The, 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 the operators were dropping off, but in the early 90s we had uh, probably half a dozen operators, um, maybe maybe a few more, but we weren't, we weren't kind of um, poaching sites. Was poaching a, a problem
1: here? Yeah, poaching poaching was a was a problem. Um, you would put a machine on a site and another operator would come along and give a better offer. Always happened on the on, on the high end um, pub sort of sites and, and things like that. Um, yeah, so it could get a little bit narky, but it was it was usually pretty good. Mm. Um, I tried not to step on anybody's toes, and and a couple of my sites got poached, and yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just business, isn't it's it? It's business. Mm. Business is, 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 is mean no matter what you do. Pinball mm. operating wasn't any different really. Yeah. But there were there were there were there were some great operators and operators have still got now that are friends and, and stuff like well, that. Well I'm so.
0: talking to uh one of your friends, Gunner, on Friday. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um in two days' time, which I'm excited because he's been in the business since the seventies, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm really excited to talk to him. Um, so at at some point you diversified.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, just, uh, sorry, just back yep, a step. Yeah, that's cool. I I've I've, um, knew that this interview was coming yeah, up, and yeah. I um, ended up probably had at least 600, well, a lot of pinball machines, you know, through my hands, and uh, I kept all the receipts for them. Wow, <laughs> wow. Get my glasses, can't see Yeah. Me. So um, this is, and... Okay, so this one's ninety ninety nine ninety eight, three thousand dollars paid for a shadow, a fish tails, and a judge dread.
0: All three games. <laughs> yep. Wow, three thousand dollars.
1: Two thousand six hundred dollars for nine electronic pinball machines. So this is an operator I've bought out.
0: Wow.
1: One Meteor, one laser cue, a Black Knight, a Gorga, a Galaxy, a uh, Hank and Empire Strikes Back, a Grand Slam, which is the belly. Eighty-two one, a Quicksilver and a Phoenix. A
0: Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. wish I 2800. had that. Twenty-eight hundred. Do you like? Nineteen ninety-three. So you just must have made quite a few trips to take nine machines uh, back to your workshop.
1: That was actually these machines come from Box Hill Bowl, right. um, a Bowling Centre in Box Hill, um, and I had my combi van at the time, which could bring back two machines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would have done a, a few little shuttle runs yeah. up in between, wow. and um, so basically. 1993, yeah, these machines cost me about 300 bucks a pop. I would have sold them for about 600. So I would have doubled my money. But for that, I would have got them going Mm. and I would have given them a a month's warranty. And depending where they were, if I was desperate for the sale, I might have done a free delivery. So
0: You're working for your money. Yeah,
1: you're working for your money. Mm. And yes, they were cheap. And yes, I wish I could still get them for the price now. But Mm. it it was hard work. This one I had to I had get like sold one Heatwave pinball and one Stars pinball five hundred dollars so I've paid two hundred and fifty dollars each I've really wanted these games and I really wanted it for the Heat Wave not so much the Stars but mm. I love the Stars now mm. nineteen ninety five so we've moved on a couple of years and is that the Heat Wave in the other room? Uh, no, I actually get it got another one oh, okay, but but, but, just, but but these pennies the, it was it was. In a house in Templestowe, which is quite a well-to-do area, and mm. big houses there, they were in this guy's bedroom. Right. He was married. Right. And he had he had a heat wave of the stars in his bedroom, which wow. is, my mind blows. Yeah. You know, foreplay, I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was oh, crazy.
0: If for nothing else, the lighting. Yeah, that's it, the mood lighting, yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe maybe, you know, his wife come to bed and gave him a cuddle and he's like just hold that thought I'll give a game a penny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, two grand here, nineteen ninety eight and that got me a Black Knight two thousand, a big guns and a pin bot. Wow. That's pretty pretty good. It's amazing you've got all these receipts. Yeah, i am really glad I've kept them. I kept everything, all the all the paperwork. Yeah. Oh here's a beauty. I do the last one. Yeah. There's a there's a, a, a mount, st- mountain a mount, of mountain of these. Yeah. Um Ah oh, this one this is my favourite. Four thousand eight hundred dollars, nineteen ninety eight. Back then off a operator that got me two Star Trek next generations, a teed off an Indiana Jones and a Freddy Krueger.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. But those Star Trek's would have broken your back?
1: They broke my heart. They weren't that reliable either.
0: Right. Um, I've, heavy, I've got one.
1: I've sold one, but I've kept the other. It's yeah. a great game.
0: Yeah, I like it too. Yeah.
1: Um, but on site, um, they spent more time in my factory
0: getting fixed
1: getting fixed or I could put that on site, but I've got to get away next to it. That's easier to move and probably going to be more reliable.
0: So yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, you know, okay, so we bought Indies for maybe a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks and mm. we sold them for two and a half around that time. How
0: many Indies do you go through?
1: I had three on my round, mm. um, and I probably owned maybe four or five in the time.
0: And did you get the Adam? You must have got lots I've, of Adams families. No, I only, only ever had one Adams okay, family. Right. Um, I paid two grand for it,
1: mm. which, um, was a bit of a, bit of a premium at the time. Yeah, yeah um, sure. and still got it now, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I only ever had, had one Adams. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, I never bought, um, the medieval madnesses and, uh, those arabian nights and those um, wow. i could have got those for three three and a half it's about as low as they really got in value mm. um and at that time pinball really started dropping off and things started getting a bit tougher on the sites yeah they they brought in the non-smoking a, cu- a couple of things happened the, the pub culture in melbourne really changed um they started more selling coffee than what they did beer and the uh, plumbers and the ockers that would go down the pub on a Friday night were now at home with their families, and just culture sort of changed across a lot of pubs, not all of them. Uh, the footy and cricket clubs that I was into a lot of um, brought in non-smoking. They did in the pubs as well. So what would happen is your pinball machine would be sitting in the empty pub, the smokers would be out the beer garden smoking, the non-smokers are out talking to them, and you haven't got the captive audience that was playing the machines. And f- for me, my my revenue halved. Pinball started becoming less popular. I was getting sick of it. Not... Yeah, I was, I was getting sick of it. Um, repairing games was hard. You'd repair a game and, um, you know, something else would break down a couple of weeks later and you'd, you'd feel bad or you'd
0: sell a game or it would break down or, yeah... You told me that you revised your warranty uh, method, didn't you? Yeah,
1: yeah, I I had to because you you buy a, I don't know, pick a game, you buy a supersonic. You do the thing up and then you sell it, but you can't sit there playing the crap out of it. You get all the bugs out of it the best you can and you sell it and it inevitably breaks down for the new owner because they get all their mates around, the kids are on it and bang, bang, bang with the Mm. flippers and stuff. So I I used to do a month's warranty and most people were pretty good but you'd get a couple of ball busters delivering you up. I've got a light bulb out. Oh, this left-hand bumper doesn't quite pop as strong as the right one anymore. So my way around it, the best way I found to look after the customers was to give them one year in which to use service. It's not a one-year warranty but, okay... I'm selling you this game and you've got a year to get me out and I'll do a service on it you might need to get me out in a few weeks because you'll be unlucky that something will break down you might find that just a few little niggly things happen write them down give me a list and we'll come around and sort them all out at once um and once I did that it worked out really well for the customer and I committed myself with the sale that I'd, I'd go do the service and um
0: that, that worked a lot better than a one-month warranty. Yeah, for it me. Makes a lot of sense. A lot yeah. of sense. You've given me an idea. Okay. <laughs> if I go selling games and with warranties, because I have done it, because people want peace of mind. Peace. Yeah. That's. You know, a, they're getting the thing that they know know nothing about, and they yeah. get it home. But you're right in the fact that all the kids will be on it, and they'll hammer it um, for the first few weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and then so the pinball revenue's dropping, and you decide to look for another line of work, or what happened? Um. <clears throat>
1: When are we talking now? I think we're talking, when did this come out? Yeah, so we're we're talking around 2008. Uh, Pinball revenue's dropping. I'm getting a little bit tired of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Still love the pennies, but I'm I'm getting burnt out. I've worked friggin' hard. Paid for a house off dollar coins. (laughs) Paid for a factory and always worked from home, and other operators, I know, I know they, they, they called me like John the Backyarder or whatever, whatever, I was a Backyarder to them, Mate, I, I, had, I got had a factory in Dandenong, I've still got it, um, and that's where all the machines were kept, and I just bought the ones home that we, we, we bought and sold, so I'd managed to, where other operators maybe were going broke, I managed to pay off two bits of real estate, and i, I I did it just through share hard work. Uh, party hires, I advertised and did a lot of party hires, and then I worked out, uh, for a point of difference, so I bought a soccer table, which you can give someone a soccer table and it's not going to wear out or break down. So I'd give them a free soccer table with every party hire if they wanted it, um, and then for a $100 add-on they could get a galaga. Uh, so I'd be working all week with my pubs, so I'd be picking up party hires on the weekends, Burnt myself out. Mm. Thought, okay, what do, what do we do here? So I got rid of half of my sites, any that were ball busters, or ones that weren't working so well. I put a lot of the machines into storage, working out what to do with them. They were like a bit of money in the bank. Um, and Michelle... Uh, said there's a job here at a nursing home up the road, they want a part time maintenance guy, so I thought I'll go back to my carpentry and it will be nice to actually go work for someone else and get a paycheck and not have to not have to worry about oh, will a party hire come in this week will I have the money to pay this or that and I thought I'll probably get a Jim's mowing round or some opportunity will present itself and um, went to this nursing home and um, got the interview and got the job That's yeah. cool,
0: yeah and and how did that go for you?
1: Well, I walked into the nursing home and it was um, 10 o'clock in the morning on my first day and you don't want to be in a nursing home that early in the morning because they're doing all the <laughs> toileting <done> some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the boss goes you might notice a bit of an odour here here's, here's, here's the fan switch and I'm like so, oh, odour, shit I'm going to be out of here at lunchtime, you know, this, this ain't for me. Lunchtime come and uh, a lot of the nurses were fun and stuff. I'll, I'll give it to the end of the day. End of the day, I'll give it to the end of the week. And ended up spending three years there. So, That's great. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I, I knew some sort of opportunity was going to come. I didn't know what it was, didn't know quite in which direction I was gonna go. um, it was going to go. And it quite happened by accident. Um, in the, they had quite an old nurse call system. So a nurse call system is when a resident or a patient needs a nurse, they'll so push a buzzer, and it would buzz at the nurse station, and the nurse could go room to room 31 or whatever. And with elderly people, they get a thing called postural hypertension. So your heart isn't as strong as it's used to. You lie down, you go to sleep, and you go to get up in a hurry, and it's generally a lot to do with... Um, incontinence and needing to get to the toilet quickly. The blood can't get to up your brain quick enough and you fall and you really injure yourself. And it's it's a real problem in the aged care. And they have these stupid mats that they put on the floor and they were just a pressure switch. And when the elderly people would stand on it, it would call the nurse. But as soon as they stepped off them it would stop. So really the residents got three steps and then nurse is supposed to know within five seconds which room is buzzing. So I got a couple of um, (laughs) Gottlieb relays. (laughs) (laughs) This is where it gets juicy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to sort this problem out. I said to my boss, look, you you know I used to do pinballs because my boss at the nursing home had a couple of pinball machines. So that was funny. And the other cool thing was I said I need Fridays off because Fridays are a day where all few pubs that I've got will call me and machines need to be sorted for the weekend. So instead of doing a five day a week, I was doing four. And he was like, yeah, I'm cool with that as long as you get the work done. So, um, yeah, so I, I used one, got the relay, which then just locked on. So as soon as that was, mat was stepped on, it would continue doing a signal to the nurse station until the nurse come in the room and cancelled it. And that worked well, but... The little hand switch is locked on, so if Betty wanted a cup of tea, she'd just push the button anyway. And staff didn't know whether it was a potential someone being in danger through walking that shouldn't be, or if it was just an annoying person asking where their dinner was. So then I doubled it up with another relay with a capacitor across it, which made a little timer, and then it went (laughs) so that they knew it was an out-of-bed event. And it worked really, really well, and the boss loved it. Said, John, you should patent this, you know? <laughs> and uh, that, that was just the start of it. The second bit was um, this. got a little magazine here. This is a, an aged care magazine that went all over Australia. So this lady come in. She was 53. She had MS, and it, it's a shocker of a disease. It, it just takes everything away from you, your, your movement, your everything. Um, she had a very softly spoken voice and she was paralysed. Um, so I got this... She couldn't call a nurse if she wanted something. So there's a thing called a jelly bean switch. It basically can be operated from every angle. I put that on the side of her pillow and she could tilt her head and call a nurse when she wanted to. I thought, oh, that, that's cool. Um, the other thing is the nurses would turn on the TV... She couldn't even turn her head. If she didn't like the station, if she didn't want anything, she just had to keep looking at this TV. So I used a Gottlieb, um, uh, we call it the lucky number, the match relay out of a mechanical. So you've got 10 little click yep. points. And I made a click point to the TV remote that she could turn on the TV. She could flip through the stations and she could turn the TV off. And that worked well. Then we added a Talking Books, which was a cassette tape recorder, so that at night her carer, a carer would go to the library and bring back Talking Books series, and she could now turn on TV, watch TV, turn TV off, listen to a Talking Book. Then we hooked it up to the radio. She liked the ABC, and she could listen to Talk Back Radio. And it really... Opened up the uh,
0: world. Yeah. Yeah great and um then it moved to the under the mattress ones did that come next yes yes so
1: um the bosses said john we're moving to a new nursing home we're building a brand new one and that floor mat thingy you did cool, but we want to try to get mats off the floor and we're gonna get in some different nurse call companies with different sensor pads and if you wouldn't mind just doing a review of them and then we'll work out which system you think electronically might be best and stuff like that. Um, so cool so we did that and we tried a few systems and none of them really worked that well um, through pinball again I met a, uh, a guy who sold a, what was the game? a Williams picture come up in the back, Milan Rouge Oh two. yeah. Uh, and he was an electrical engineer, a uh, real electronics guru. And I said to him what I was doing and that, and uh, looked at uh, baby monitors at the time, and the way that you can slip a little pad under a baby and you can know when the baby's breathing and not breathing. And then um, I thought, oh, I might really go down a different track and not use pressure and uh, use some... PZO sensors and stuff and um, developed the system and the bosses were happy for me to do it and uh, it was it was great because I got to develop the system I had the knowledge of all the nurses around me um, and I remember like saying I, 10 minutes I live from the nursing home When um, this lady with dementia starts getting agitated, give me a call and I would come there and I'd sit in the hallway and I'd just watch her movements within bed and stuff Mm. like that. Anyway, we got got this thing to be able to accurately know when the people had gone to bed, read their movements, and we could have it go off as soon as someone sat up if they were a very, very high force risk. Someone who maybe had a bit of dementia and was more agitated we could have it go off only when they sat on the edge of the bed. Or someone who was just a wanderer and not such a risk, um, we could have it go off after they left the bed. So it gave options that other devices didn't. Um, And worked well, so I patented it. Um, And then said to the bosses,
0: this is not using pressure. This is using the the body's the body's respiratory vibration. Vibration. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So okay. when when if someone passed away at night, it would go off as soon as they passed away, because it just recognised that there was a still weight in the bed. Wow, yeah. amazing. If, and if, buddy,
0: they, if they lay on their side, it's, it it's doesn't still matter. It's still fine,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the good thing with using the respiratory vibration is nurses are shocking for getting forgetting to turn things on or off or setting things up properly. Mm. So this, as soon as a person went to bed, it would pick up their heartbeat and it would automatically switch on and start working for them. So they had a completely automated device they didn't have to worry about. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and you patented it? Patented, patented it. Only on an um, innovative patent. Mm. So, um, Yeah, that's a long story.
0: Yeah.
1: Friggin' I tell you what, you want to be a lawyer, 450 bucks an hour for a patent lawyer just for a normal one.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> and this was a big uh, success. I mean, you ex- you started manufacturing these?
1: Yes, yes. So then I said to the uh, owner of the nursing home, I've done this now and I want to go out on my own and try and make a go of it. And I felt very anxious about doing that because they were great bosses. They were they were really good to work for. <laughs> and things just work out, don't they? Mm-hmm. He goes, John, we've just put the nursing home up for sale. Oh, that, wow. That's okay. perfect. All right. Go. Good luck. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. I still keep in touch with the, these yeah. bosses. Yeah. So it, it, it just worked out. Um, I also then started the business from scratch. And it was friggin' hard. I was back to doing a lot of hard work again. But I had my pinball machines off the round that I was selling now to make on eBay to make wages while I was trying to get this other thing mm. off the ground mm. so um I was starting to sell off quite a few machines for a year to really get the thing up and running mm. and it was getting pretty bad because um i was I sold off my multiples first mm. So then I had one of everything, and then I had to look at the machines and start sending off which one do I I'm hopefully I'm going to come out of this, and I'll be able to keep a few. Mm. I still have to make some wages, and I like I sold my tails from the crypt I sold me creature from the black Lagoon, and so ones that I really liked I sold, but ended up um then the thing started taking off enough that I didn't have to sell machines um, and I come out the pipe at the other end
0: with a dozen dot matrix that I'm happy with, so yeah that's good that's yeah. good, so you're uh, bed assist mattress uh, sensors uh, all over Australia and the world.
1: Uh, not the world, no, no. Um, the world's just too big a place, and yeah. I've got no control on what anyone's going to copy or do or anything. Just, just Australia. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but 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 we're all throughout Australia, and we've it's taken a long time to. Yeah, you know, the boopers and the blue crosses and all of these large organisations, but um, we're 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 in them all now as preferred suppliers, and um, it, it's, it's worked well.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. That's that's quite a story. Yeah, and so there you go, me
1: old man. You know, you'll never do anything out of pinball. You're wasting all your money. Well,
0: <laughs> we got there. You've proved them wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um. So maybe we should bring it into the present moment. Um, we're we're here in your lovely upstairs room, we're above your factory. Do mm-hmm. you have a name for this space? Let's call it the mezzanine or anything. Um, yeah, they're just uh... yeah, it's, yeah. It's lovely because you have you have games here um, in a couple of different rooms, and you've got them at home, and um, you've still got a few. In a container, I believe, is that right? Yeah, a
1: few in storage and all around. Yeah, yeah.
0: and and um, the photo I take of you, I think, will be in the EM room.
1: Cool, I wouldn't want it to be anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: I know you love the EMs. and um, so the, um, what else haven't we covered? Um, let's talk about what you see in the future for your pinball collection. So... Um. You've got some really interesting devices at home that you showed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a little bit of a plan.
1: Yeah, I've, I've got a, a retirement plan. Um, I, I, I'm not precious about my machines, as you can see. The 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 fishtails and the, the brighter pinbot behind you, and, and those they are just as they've come off site in the '90s. They're not in my lifetime going to get a new decal put on the side or anything like that. So I'm happy for them to be played, and I'd love them to be played and and enjoyed. I'd love to tell the coin-operated story from 1900 to 2000. Uh, Star Wars and Revenge from Mars are as new as I really want to go with pinballs. They're the last ones that I bought that I operated. Um, So I'd I'd like to down the track do an exhibition of um, coin-operated machines and amusement machines. And talk about this penny arcade machines, so some of the penny arcade, some of the Lunar Park stuff, how it started, uh, pinball machines, how it developed, technology, how it changed from electromechanical to electronic,
0: um,
1: video games coming in. So so it'll be a, it'll
0: be a walk through. It'll be a walk uh, like through, like a timeline.
1: Yep, you look at some of these pinball museums in the states, and. The first thing you get is an opening shot of 200 machines in a room and it's too much bling and it all looks sterile. This will be a walkthrough like an IKEA store of probably around 50 to 60 exhibits. Now, it's not about having the biggest, it's not about having the best, it's just about telling a story. And if you've got 60 exhibits and you're spending three minutes at each exhibit, that's three hours to mm. get through. Mm. That's, that's almost too much. Mm. But the good thing is you'll be able to learn about the machines and the stuff um, and play them as you go around if, if, if you want to.
0: That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. really exciting. So, something, now, something like that. I'd like to make mention of some of your penny arcades because mm-hmm. um, when we had the meet on Sunday, um, it was wonderful to see these vintage machines being enjoyed. Um, but you told me the story of the Chicago Express oh, and how yeah. that came to you. I think that's worth mentioning, yeah. that you got the die-cast pieces and that was it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, an interesting story. So... Um, Chicago Express is a game built in 1935, and it's a company called DeVal, and they made pinball machines up to World War II. It was David and Alan, they were two brothers, and they really made innovative, cool machines, pre-flipper machines. Um, so I got a call out of the Trading Post ad, Trading Exchange, whatever you call it, um, where I always had run our pinball wanted ad, and this guy said, I've got these parts for a Chicago Express pinball machine and I want to sell them. And the internet had just come out at this time. And uh, I got on the internet and Clay, is it Clay? How Clay,
0: Clay Harrell. Yeah,
1: yeah. I uh, had this all these pictures of Chicago Express and what it looked like. And I went round to the guy and he wanted a hundred bucks for it all which was pretty friggin' expensive because all I got is a whole lot of metal parts and two plastic buckets <laughs> but there was all the information there to scale to make the play field to do the artwork on the carpenter make the cabinet and 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 do it all so um I bought them off the guy and reconstructed the game back to what it was which was a heck of a lot of work, but a really enjoyable project. Um, and then I gave the guy a, a call. And what, what happened with the machine and how it got to the state it was, was um, World War II, his father come back and he bought it from an amusement arcade in Auckland. And he took it to a little town called Molden, where his parents owned the milk bar. And the Chicago Express ran in this milk bar for many years. But what happened with the bingo machines and the gambling in Victoria and in, in, particularly in Melbourne was that the, the gaming squad said any machine that doesn't have flippers is illegal because it can be deemed a gambling advice device. So this guy's old man scrapped the game but he was resourceful and he kept all the middle parts for whatever reason, I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it was all these middle parts that I bought and put the machine in back together um and then i invited him around for a cup of tea and he's like wow this is really like being a kid again back in the back in his dad's shop you know and uh yeah that i can never call it an original it, it it's a fake but it's 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 got genuine it, bones behind it's it it's not
0: until you point out that it's been well, rebuilt that you, people you don't understand. because I've,
1: I've recycled an old bingo machine cabinet i've used
0: all yeah and it, the the curious thing about it is that we say that Flash had the first flasher and mm. the up-kicker was invented. And I didn't know f-
1: if I should tell you that because you kind of like all
0: the Steve Ritchie stuff, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but Chicago Express, what well, did you say, 1935? It's 1935. So and it's got a flash, a flasher in it underneath a, it's a,
1: the... It's the first game to have a flasher. So you know how flash warms the filaments and then yes, flashes? yes. So your bulbs don't blow out. That had that then, the yeah. flasher train when you got into a thing. And the up kickers? And the up kickers, kickers, I think they say 14 Tomcat was the first with up kickers. I could be wrong, one of those games there, but it's not. Chicago Express had it back in 1935. <laughs> in fact, uh, double, not double action. <sighs> Triple action. No, no. <laughs> Uh, 1933 there's a game with six flippers it wasn't hum- it wasn't Humpty Dumpty they weren't solenoid driven I've got the pictures of the patent for it and they are very similar to the flippers today with, with right. the way that they operate they're just not driven with a solenoid.
0: 33 was that wasn't Bally or? Double um, shuffle. Double shuffle? Durgel, double okay.
1: shuffle all right and look for a game with flippers it wasn't popular at the time because It had too much skill, and pinball Mm. was just a game of chance. Yeah. But I can be wrong here, and and this is probably quite controversial. Why didn't Gottlieb patent the flipper? It was already patented before with double shuffle. Wow. But but then was
0: it... was it different enough? I don't know. Mm, just that Humpty Dumpty's always been acknowledged as the first flipper game, but mm. um, it's interesting. It was that, certainly the
1: first electric flipper game, yeah. but, but flippers and ball manipulation, and so much interesting things were around in the in the early 30s games. Wow, yeah.
0: wow, it's fascinating. It's been a great chat, but I do want to make mention of one thing that we haven't covered, because I'm going to include the photograph What's that? on this page. So the Egyptian... The, 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 oh, Egyptian, yeah, method, the Egyptian method of moving a pinball. Now, those, <laughs> those of us who are pinball collectors uh, are well-versed at lugging these machines around, whether we break them into two pieces, either the head and the cabinet, or we just fold them up together like I do and just move them as one. Uh, you have a friend who had a method that I've never ever heard of before. Would you care to explain? Yeah, well, and I'm going I'm, to include the photo. <laughs> I'm glad
1: you're. I'm glad you're including the photo because the description's probably a bit unbelievable. So imagine, what is it? Maybe a 1965 Falcon Ute. You have a on that photo. The game well, is
0: not even a Ute. it's uh, a no, station no. wagon. Yeah, it's a station wagon. It's a station if it wagon. Was a Ute?
1: It wouldn't be a problem, <laughs> would it? It was a station wagon. <laughs> So you are back up to the Evil Knievel game, and this is how we move machines around town all the time. You drop just the little tailgate of the station wagon. You then
0: you have it on legs.
1: You have it on legs, and you tip the machine up, and you push the head into the station wagon, but the body is all sticking up on the air in the air on the tailgate, and the legs are just sticking way out beyond that. Then you get a rope and you sling it across the front legs. You hop in the driver's seat, and you've got the rope across your shoulder, which is the Egyptian style, holding the machine down, <laughs> and you drive off to your site and deliver the game. <laughs> You'll have to see the photo. You have to see
0: the photo, <laughs> and tell me that you didn't do this method.
1: I, no, no, I never did that method, no, no. I, I had an old combi van, and then um, later on I got a ute with the hydraulic horse. So who
0: was the chap that we're going to picture in the, um, the... I'm glad that you got that photo. It was taken at night. Yeah. And who was the chap that does the Egyptian method?
1: Uh, his name was Norman. i haven't spoken to norman for many years i'm sure he wouldn't mind up being up there though it's it's a bit of pinball history
0: it's it's a great (laughs) bit of history hey it's been a wonderful chat john Uh, we should probably cap it off we've got someone arriving soon who is going to play some pinny with us um and i'm I'm on my bike tomorrow i'm heading off into the city um i'm going to meet up with my sister and enjoy the rest of melbourne while i'm here and uh, any closing thoughts? It's been a great chat with you. Thank you. Um, what have you? Have you got any closing thoughts?
1: Um, no, no, no closing thoughts. I might think of some stories later, but well, too bad. You it's know. been it's been great. Yeah, it's been it's been nice just to uh just to tell my story actually. So yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, reminisce. Yeah.
0: and um, and thanks everyone for listening. Um, yeah, we'll cap it off. Cheers. See you later. Thank you. <laughs>